it's a trade-off. Like you're giving me the opportunity to show you a call to action. And what I'm giving you is meaningful, actionable content. So I feel like then we're at net zero. I don't want the reader to feel like, oh, I just got advertised to. Welcome to the Sask Entrepreneurs Podcast. Each week, we bring you an interview featuring an entrepreneur or business leader in the Saskatchewan province. We dive into their journey, lessons learned, and views on the outlook of the Saskatchewan business market. This episode is brought to you by 2Web. Growing your business online is overwhelming. At 2Web, we make it simple. Our agency has helped over 700 businesses and nonprofit organizations grow through digital marketing. Learn more and reach out to us at 2Web.ca. Welcome to today's episode of Sask Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today we have Shay Martin, who is a seasoned full-stack software engineer with a steep experience in integrations for SMBs. He is a proven domain expert in fintech, logistics, mobile, rich web applications, and has been building and managing software teams for over 10 years. Today, he is the CEO of Brew Ninja. And uh, Shay, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Mindy. So, Shay, tell us a little bit about your current role and how did you start Brew Ninja? So, I'm CEO slash founder. Now that our team is big enough, I've stepped away from development. So, I mean, that basically means running the day-to-day, making the final decisions, and lots of small administrative tasks. We are small enough that it does mean wearing a lot of different hats, but that's kind of the, the joy of it, I guess. And I started Brew Ninja. I had just moved to Regina. I noticed that there wasn't a lot of craft breweries around, and I was kind of disappointed in that. And so when one of the first ones went up in Regina, I started hanging around just seeing if there was anything I could do to help. I was excited to see it get up and running. And I noticed some of the issues they were having, and I basically realized I'd solve some of those problems in other industries. I set out and built a prototype and showed it to them and there was some gaps in that prototype and they you know closed those gaps and eventually went live and they were a beta customer for a year or so and i realized there was something there so he decided to start selling it and turn it into a company so let's get into your personal backstory how did you end up in this role obviously you have a software engineer background you've been working as a developer in the past and also managing many teams what made you come to this role and tell us about the journey I mean, I'd always been interested in in beer, and I don't mean purely from a consumption standpoint. It, it was more than a you know than a that sort of interest. I'd always had an interest in becoming an entrepreneur. In fact, I switched my major in university. I was in in mechanical engineering, and realized that I wasn't going to be able to just open my own shop because you need millions of dollars worth of equipment and. At that time, I'd started to fool around teaching myself to program, and I realized that the tool set to build something you can sell is just so much cheaper and more accessible as a software developer. So I switched into that stream and graduated that way. And for family and a number of other reasons, I wasn't able to really go down that entrepreneurial journey for a number of years. And like I said, right about, you know, I gave you the Nexus story for Brood Engine. I just really realized that. It was a great crossover of something I was really interested in and a skill set I had. And the timing was actually decent in my life, the best it had ever been. So it just all those things kind of came together. And, uh, you know, I just got really passionate about it and threw all my effort into it. 
So what do you love about doing business in Saskatchewan? I mean, it's kind of fun when you meet uh, clients and customers from outside, especially the U.S., and they say, you're from where? You know, I like the people I hire. I like the fact that it's a smaller community. I mean, once I got into the entrepreneurial community, it was crazy how small it was and the connections you could establish. And you're running into the same people all the time. Everyone was really giving them with their time who had criticisms or, or encouragement. I was able to phone them for advice and they had no problem with that. And then, you know, other things like, you know, especially going back five years or so when we were starting out, things like IRAP and funding and stuff like that. I still remember my first meeting with my ITA. He gave me advice. You know, we spoke through a bunch of things. I was able to to secure a tiny amount of funding and continue that relationship. Whereas I speak to entrepreneurs in Toronto or, or larger centers and they can barely get a, a phone call returned. It's just so much more competitive for those dollars and stuff. Exposure too, I think Saskatchewan in general has become really excited about the entrepreneurial community. And, and for example, this isn't the first podcast I've done on this. So it's just, it's nice that it's small. I like the people. It's just neat to be some part of something that's growing quickly. What is it that separates you from your competitors as a business? I think the big difference is we do have competition in this space. I mean, some people are surprised to learn that there's more than one company out there that makes software specifically for managing a brewery, but there are. They all kind of have their own niches. There's one of our competitors focuses on large breweries. One is just pumping out, just really pushing on sales. But I would say most of the other ones really focus on the production side of things. Whereas we've found that they're generally, by the time you start a brewery, you're pretty good at making beer and you're pretty good at production. So let's just take care of the tedium for you. We'll track stuff for you. We'll simplify the accounting. You just do the work and we'll actually do most of the accounting for you. You really only need an accountant for year end. So we just really focus on taking care of the business end and holding your hand for that aspect. I think that's a big differentiator. And then the other thing is, I mean, people do rave about our customer support and stuff like that. And I continue to double down on it. You know, one of the entrepreneurs that I learned from and stuff, he was very big on that. So I just saw the value in it. And I want to be recognized for that by our customers. I want to talk a little bit more about that, because I think this is a very important piece. Every company strives to be a customer centric company. And, uh, you know, they say they offer great support. They want to offer great support to, your, to their customers because it is a pivotal point for any company's success. Can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, how you are able to exceed and uh, excel in customer service? Yeah, I think it's a cultural thing. Uh, and it starts right at the top. Like I've worked at other software companies, you know, like everyone we claimed we had good customer service, but this culture creeps in of the user is stupid. Oh, well, this happened. Well, that's because the user is stupid. You know, we're very careful to never let that creep into the conversation. They're not stupid. They made a mistake because they were confused. And you can push that back to they were confused because you didn't make it clear enough in your software. And you just, whenever they make a mistake, you find a way to put it on yourself so that you can improve the product. And we talk about customer support experiences we've had with other software companies and how we can be better. 
you know, when somebody says, thank you for getting back to me so quick, I mean, yeah, that's great, but it's, it's just sad that that's remarkable to them. Like that should be the norm, you know, and I think we really try and have that as part of our culture. You know, we don't want it to be good or satisfactory. We want it to be remarkable where they remark on the fact that it's good. And that would be the biggest thing. But I, I think it starts internally. It's not just this is part of your job description, excellent customer service. It's just that's the way we talk about things. So what are some of the biggest challenges? Obviously, you're trying to grow your company and you're trying to increase uh, uh, and expand your market share. So what are some of the biggest challenges that you're actually facing right now when it comes to uh, building your business? Part of it is trade shows are a really big deal for us. And the lack of travel, that's been a bit of a challenge. We've continued to sell well, but it would have been better with the ability for more trade shows. The challenges, I think they change as you go along, right? Where, you know, we're approaching the 100 brewery mark, but those first 20 breweries, I mean, it was about convincing them that you weren't working out of your mom's basement, right? And I think that was a bit of a mistake when we started too, is we really felt like we would use that to our advantage. Hey, we're the new guy, we're just getting started. And Everyone loves that, but what people say and what people do aren't always the same, right? It's like the buy local thing. Everyone's buy local, buy local, buy local. Oh, but they buy everything at Walmart because it's cheaper, right? So it's the same thing. Oh, you're a startup. We'd really love to support you. We want to use your software. And then, you know, they end up going somewhere else and, you know, you dig a little deeper on the ones that will allow you to. And it's, well, you know, you just, these other guys have been around for 10 years. We wanted to go with the more established product. And, once we realized that, you know, we changed our messaging a bit. Instead of trying to play to that, we just played to our strengths. And and then the challenges now with sales are just, you know, we were going at a steady clip before, and now it's about to double and triple that amount, right? So as we're bringing on employees, we've taken on funding. And so the challenges with that are it becomes a little, I don't want to scale our sales by just doing more outbound phone calls because your cost of customer acquisition then scales with the amount of customers you get. So we've uh, taken a step back from, you know, we actually downsized our sales force a tiny bit and took the funds for those salespeople and put them into marketing. And then we're going to let the marketing dictate when we bring more salespeople on. You know, essentially, if the inbound leads are too much for the existing salespeople to handle, that means we need more salespeople. And that's a really good problem to have, as opposed to working it the other way. So that's our challenge right now is just really dialing in that marketing. That is a really interesting shift, because I think that a lot of companies can learn from this. Often, you know, in order to grow and, uh, and increase uh, your revenues, you tend to have this, this direction of increasing your sales team. But marketing plays a huge role right now, because uh, Especially by, you know, adding more salespeople, you do increase that customer acquisition cost. It significantly increases. And, uh, and then there's also management involved. But with marketing, what happens is it actually builds on top of each other. And you can layer marketing and you can actually grow from a marketing perspective. Again, I want to dig deeper into the marketing side of things because this is such an important topic. When it comes to marketing, have you noticed certain kinds of marketing that work better for your business than others? And if so, which ones are those? But to be honest, we're still experimenting with that a little bit. And some of the ways we're experimenting are hard to track. So, I mean, yeah, you can place digital ads and you can play with your messaging and there's excellent tools out there for tracking that. But 
a lot of people, and this was us initially, that tracking meant how many times do they click on that ad, but there wasn't a good way to track, you know, just because they became a lead, what product did they buy, right? So make sure you have the tools in place to do that. But some of the other things we're experimenting with, we actually sponsor the Master Brewers of America podcast, which isn't cheap, but it's still much cheaper than terrestrial radio. And they have 50,000 unique listeners a month and stuff. It's hard to track that. Like, yeah, we put together a, a 20 second reel that gets played every episode. We give out a code in that reel saying, use this code for an additional month discount. And ultimately, of course, the purpose of that code is to track if that sale came to us through this podcast, but they just don't use it. And they come to the sales team and the sales team will ask, and it's just really hard to track. We were at a trade show and did have a number of people come up to us and say, hey, I really love that podcast. I really appreciate, we really appreciate the fact that you're sponsoring them and keeping it going and stuff. Neither of the two people who came up to me and said that ended up were interested in becoming a customer though it is hard to track but i'm a really firm believer in i forget the exact statistic but a customer hears your name once and it's like 15 percent chance they're going to remember it they hear it a second time and it goes up to 30 percent but they hear it a th from a third source and it goes up to like 75 percent. so that third source is kind of the magical number and so that's why we're trying to come at people from different angles. So the podcast is one, the digital ads are another, and we're always looking for that third one. We've even done mailers. Traditionally, you were, when you started off, you were actually going to trade shows and this was pre-COVID, obviously. How has COVID impacted your marketing and your business in general? Because obviously you can't travel to trade shows anymore. Have you tried any virtual events? Have you experienced any other marketing means that can continue your um, lead acquisition? I mean, we did focus a little more on outbound initially during COVID. We have tried virtual events, but it was a pretty rudimentary attempt. I think we were really learning. You know, we just made some small mistakes with it. We turned on the audience and, you know, when you have 10 people show up for it, it doesn't look good, right? So you turn off the audience. So as far as they're concerned, there's a thousand people there, right? It's just, we have to experiment more with that. One of the things we're looking at is um, starting a discussion group and using that, uh, reaching out to people and say, hey, we know you, you run this brewery. We know you, you excel at producing these beer. We know you've had success. Would you be willing to do it, be part of a discussion group? The point of that isn't sales. It's just, you know, they're interested in joining that group because maybe there's another brewery joining that they're interested in talking to but it's just one more way to get your name out there kind of through discussion groups you know we are also we really ramped up our content we are working with a content writer who had some experiment in the brewing industry and so we're producing articles that we find are relevant we kind of flip-flop between educational and just human interest like Human interest being, you know, these are the top 10 beers selling every fall. And educational would be here's some tips on tracking regulatory data for your brewery. And we're still dialing that in. My focus is I don't want it to be a sales pitch. I want it to be interesting. I want that content to stand on its own outside of Brew Ninja. Um, they're already on our page reading it. So we don't need to hammer them with, hey, come by come by Brew Ninja. So, and then the other content that we produced at which we had success was 
we took a bunch of our existing clients and we found three questions. We asked them, what problems were you having before Bruninja? How did Bruninja solve them? And tell us a little bit about yourself. So really simple. If they filled out that questionnaire and allowed us to use those answers for marketing purposes, we sent them uh, some swag. I think it was a, a bunny hugger hoodie. And uh, what we did is we turned all those into little case studies. So now if you go to our website, we have a case study section. The great thing about them is, A, they're now standing references. So anybody who's interested in the software can say, oh, I see that brewery's using it. The other great thing is they work good for SEO because in that problem statement the brewery has, you know, we were having problems with this. So now when another brewery looking for a solution types in, how do I solve this problem in my brewery? There's, there's a bit of a match there, right? So they end up on that case study page and uh, and stuff like that. So yeah, we, we, content is is getting better. We're getting better. Mm. Do you find that the content that you're producing is actually helping to instill confidence in prospects to do business with you? I think the case studies are for sure. I think the articles we've done, I feel like the educational pieces we've done so far, you know, like here's how to track your regulatory data. I feel like they come across as leading content, which I'm wanting to change because that doesn't instill confidence in me. You know, I think of myself as a consumer when I'm searching for a solution and I come across like Medium is famous for this on medium.com. You find the perfect article describing what you want to know about this company or how to solve this problem. And they define the, the problem uh, scenario perfectly. You're like, this is going to be exactly the content I need to read. And then as you get down into the article, there's just, it's so high level, there's not enough details, there's nothing actionable. And then at the end, there's a recommendation to try a product and lo and behold, the author works for that company. And I just, I get really frustrated with content like that. I've been working with the content team recently saying, I don't want this. I want this article to stand on its own. And if it's educational, it should be actionable because it also gives that content more legs. If there's actionable and usable pieces of information in that the brewer who reads that article is going to send it to his his buddy brewer saying hey read this article now you it's got a life of its own so i think we need to get better at that piece of it but the case studies yes i do think have instilled confidence that's interesting yeah a lot of times uh, marketers are actually taught to obviously have that call to action at the end of the article and convert that prospect or that uh, that viewer into a prospect right so uh, so that's probably why you see those uh, those links. Yeah. And I don't mind a call to action, but if I'm going to, it's a trade-off. You're like, you're giving me the opportunity to show you a call to action. And what I'm giving you is meaningful, actionable content. So I feel like then we're at net zero. I don't want the reader to feel like, oh, I just got advertised to. Makes sense. So what are some of the biggest opportunities um, for Brew Ninja in the future? Continued growth. I mean, there is competition in this space. There's actually a bit of acquisition going on in this space. So the competitors are getting bigger. So there is some pressure to grow for sure. I also feel like the problems we're solving for breweries, you know, CFIA or Canadian Food Inspection Agency recently reclassified beer essentially as food. So they have to go through all the same regulations, HACCP plans and all that as food. So really, the problems we're solving are less unique to the brewery industry than they were before. 
So, you know, down the road in a couple of years, one challenge would be, we're trying to keep our ball on that, the potential to look at other things. We've spoken to some food packagers. We've spoken to coffee producers. We're not focused on that right now, but it, it will be a challenge down the road. And where do you see yourself in the next decade? What is the, what is the big vision? Yeah, I guess the big, hairy, audacious goal is, uh, would be to not only be the de facto, you know, management software for people who manufacture and sell beer, but anybody who is packaging and selling food. If you were to start all over again, your business, would you do anything differently? Pretty much everything. <laughs> I mean, I just, I mean, I, I think it's, it's part of the learning process is making mistakes, right? I mean, we've made mistakes at pretty much everything. It's just your ability to recognize those mistakes before it's too late. And, you know, I know the word pivot is, you know, a bit of an eye roll in this industry. Uh, it's overused. And, you know, we've never pivoted our focus, you know, pivoted on small decisions, right? Like we think, you know, we're building this feature this way, but we're not afraid to say that was a mistake. We got to change and go this direction. The same with our marketing, like especially marketing is really experimental like if yeah if you can steal a guy from from salesforce who who led their digital marketing strategy probably you don't have to make as many of those mistakes but those guys are really hard to find so the marketing especially has just been you know essentially learned by mistake or trial and error so if you could go back in time let's say 10 years what advice would you give to your younger self i mean the big thing would be to be a little less risk averse. You know, I worked, this was a solo project for a really long time. I went pretty slow. I was averse to taking money. I was averse to taking on any debt. I was averse to, to doing this. And, and I am really proud of the fact that we bootstrapped for a really long time. And I do think it's a good thing, but we probably could have expediated things probably by about 30% by just taking a few more chances and betting on ourselves a little more, that would probably be the biggest thing. So based on your experiences and the challenges that you've overcome, if there was one big takeaway that you could give to our listeners, what would that be? I mean, believe in yourself. You're going to always have people telling you no. And the people telling you no, don't just write them off as somebody telling you no. Every no has a reason to it. Find out what that reason is. If, like if an investor says he doesn't like your idea, he didn't get rich enough to be an investor by being stupid. Find out why he's saying no now and what you need to do to change his mind. You don't have to do that, but you start collecting that information and you know that did shape us. So ultimately, even though you hear a no, take something away from that no, but believe in yourself and just really push forward. But be passionate about what you do too. You know, I think if you're not passionate, if I see people who you know, I, and I, people ask me, I want to start a business. I'm like, oh, what's your, what do you want to build? I just want to start a business. I feel like they watch Silicon Valley or something and like, I want to do that. They're essentially an answer looking for a problem kind of thing. And I think if you, you see a problem and become passionate about solving that, the rest will fall into place. That is so true. I mean, a lot of times, you know, you have people who are wanting to start a business without really understanding what their why is. And why are they actually wanting to do something? What kind of problem? And why is it that they want to solve it? And I think what I find is that they want to start it because it's sexy to be an entrepreneur and it's sexy to start a business, but it's actually not very sexy to manage a business <laughs> and grow <laughs> yeah, it over yeah. time. So 
it can definitely take a toll on you. And I think that's uh, something that um, entrepreneurs who have been around for a while really do understand. Yeah, I think like one of the things I've learned too is I'll have moments where I look at where I am and I'm like, oh man, I really wanted to be here at this time. And you can get down on yourself. And I find that, you know, a mentor or a peer, you know, you'll say that to them and they'll say, why don't you look back at where you were six months ago? And I look back six months ago and I'm like, oh my God, you know, like, I can't believe I was there. That feels like years ago. So, you know, I think you got to keep your eyes looking forward and, you know, you should feel stressed about, you know, trying to get where you want to go on time, but you need to take time to look at and celebrate your successes as well. Otherwise, I mean, that's just part of saving your sanity. That's true. Aren't all entrepreneurs insane at some level? So yeah, yeah. Shay, it's been wonderful to chat with you today and get some insights on how you're growing Brew Ninja. Uh, where can people find out more about you and contact you online? You can find me on LinkedIn. I uh, just search. I think it's actually Shay.Martin. I got in early enough to be the original Shay.Martin on LinkedIn. Um, you can go to our website, get.brewninja.net or just Google Brew Ninja. There's only one out there other than Ninja Brew, the coffee manufacturer. I'm pretty easy to find between LinkedIn and the website. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Shay, for coming today on the show and we wish you the best of success. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening and we hope you found this episode useful. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star review. You can see more information and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at saskentrepreneurs.com. That's S-A-S-K entrepreneurs.com. This episode is brought to you by TwoWeb. Growing your business online is overwhelming. At TwoWeb, we make it simple. Our agency has helped over 700 businesses and nonprofit organizations grow through digital marketing. Learn more and reach out to us at TwoWeb.ca.